Mind Project with your host Laura and Barry Ash and today we are so honoured to be joined by Britt Wyatt, She Who Bakes and I, and I know that you guys are going to absolutely love this podcast so I'm going to give you an intro to Britt so you know who she is and then we are just going to let her take it away. So Britt was born in Canada and raised in Maidstone in Kent and as I said Britt is also known as She Who Bakes and she's an award-winning baking blogger, an ingenious recipe developer, an author, presenter, sugar craft and baking tutor, and she's also an international speaker and a mental health ambassador. Now, Britt found her passion for baking after a string of family tragedies and after recovering from blood poisoning. She picked up her first packet of ready mixed cake to bake her cake for a charity event and she immediately fell in love with baking and turned her passion into her mission. Her story is one of real inspiration, awe and passion and what Brit has combated and faced in her life is nothing short of devastation. With the help of her baking, Brit has been able to reach millions of people around the world and she has herself been able to get rid of the antidepressants through her love of baking. Her wonderful partner, Tim Box, who is a master hypnosis, is a fantastic person and they make the best duo. And Britt is well on her way to world domination within the baking world. <laughs> Welcome, Britt. What an introduction. Kind of up Hello. <laughs> we aim to please, definitely. <laughs> so, so, as I say, Britt, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. And you know what? We're just going to kick off and we want to know your story. We want to know who you are, how you come to do what you do, because I know it's amazing. Well, thank you. Um, well, yeah, you you basically uh, hit the nail on the head there in the introduction um, with, with what happened and how it happened. But I think the... The sort of story of it all started when I was uh, when I was younger, and like I say, I was born in Canada and um, I moved over to England when I was seven. Um, and we moved in with my nan and granddad. Uh, we moved uh, unfortunately after the loss of my brother, uh, who was only a few months old, and he died of uh, cot death um, actually. And we moved in, moved to England, moved in with my nan and granddad, and it was my nan, my granddad, my me, me, my mum, and uh, then my uncle. And it was a bit like the Brady Bunch, to be honest. It was uh, it was a small house, and there was a lot of us. And then um, from the age of about uh, 11, 12, um, that's when sort of things started to, to, to go bad, basically. We lost my nan to breast cancer. Um, and then later that year, we lost my uncle to a heart attack. Um, and then my granddad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's um, and wasn't given very long either. Um, and then it was basically just me and my mum. Uh, we were, you know, the the terrific two we were the complete duo just everything in in my life was for my mum and everything in my mum's life was for me um and it was us two against the world and then in 2005 my mum unfortunately died of uh, non-hodgkin's lymphoma which is a type of cancer um and that left me basically on my own at 16 with uh, without the people that i'd grown up with essentially mm. and you have a choice um you can either carry on or you can give up and at the time I didn't realize what what was happening to be honest I just was just very upset um but I tried to carry on with my life um so I I went back to college I um tried to just live a normal life all the time living in my family home that didn't actually belong to me because I was under 18 
Um, I didn't have a bank account. I couldn't get a passport. Uh, I, I really, really struggled. And and then I got a job uh, just working for telesales because it was the only place that would hire me with no experience. Um, and then I hit 18, managed to get, like I say, get a bank account, get a, get a proper job, if you will. Um, worked in a sales office, realized I hated it <laughs> <laughs> and then moved about a bit. And I, I basically didn't stay in a job for longer than a few months. And I always thought it was me. I thought I was broken um, all the time feeling just really sad and always thinking it was because you know well I've, I've lost my mum who was my everything I'm, I'm gonna feel sad but it was only sort of uh, about a year later that I realized that it was depression it wasn't just feeling sad the, the feeling of grieving wasn't going away uh, it wasn't getting better um, so I went to the doctors and I was put on very strong antidepressants um, was told by a nurse uh, and I remember her saying it that I would probably be on them for the rest of my life um, because of everything that had happened, because of everything I'd, I'd been through and seen, I wasn't ever going to live a, a normal a normal life. I was always going to be medicated. Um, and then about a year later, um, I tried to commit suicide, and um, thankfully I, I failed. Um, I was becoming a bit too dependent on alcohol, on anything just to, just to try and make myself feel better. Because I was in and out of jobs, I was in and out of relationships, I wasn't living, I was just existing. And then six months later, I, I tried to try to end my life again, um, and again, didn't succeed, um, which I'm thankful for now. And then when I was 21, uh, my appendix burst. Um, so I was rushed into hospital and um, in surgery for a few hours, and they'd said that I had got developed blood poisoning because of the the sepsis. Uh, when I'm not a doctor, but, but when your appendix explodes, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good for you. Not really. Um, not really. And then I was I was signed off work, and I was so bored. And I remember my work basically saying that if I didn't come back in the next week, which I couldn't do, then I wouldn't have a job to come back to. Um, so I was really bored and I'm not the sort of person that can just sit around and uh, a friend of mine asked if I would make a cake for a charity bake sale it was actually for children in need and I'd never baked before like ever my mum wasn't the domestic type she was the career woman and we never did that I think the closest I got was making Italian bread with my Italian grandmother um, yeah. in the kitchen and, and I didn't even really help with that I just kind of poured flour in bowls I wasn't really you know any help in the kitchen and um and I, and I didn't really know what I was doing. So I went out and I thought, well, what have I got to lose? So I bought um, a packet mix and um, some a block of icing and came home and attempted to make a pudsy face. But I didn't have a round tin. I only had a square roasting dish. <laughs> uh, so it was a square face. Um, but I decided it was going to look like an app. That was where I was going with it. Love it. Yeah. So then I, I made that and it was all watery icing. It was cracked. And when I cut into it, it was raw in the middle. Um, <laughs> it was the worst cake you've ever seen in your life. But I was so happy. And I remember watching it in the oven and I remember decorating it. And for those few hours that I was doing that, I didn't care about anything else. I was I was really happy for the first time in a very long time and I kind of wanted to to keep hold of that feeling. Yeah. So after that I baked every day uh, and then every day turned into a month, turned into two months. I'd started buying baking magazines, reading things on the internet, finding recipes, trying new things. I then eventually moved away from packet mixes and 
tried to follow recipes and was was quite successful at that although albeit had quite a few mishaps as well and then a few years later I decided to start um start writing about it because I've always loved to write I was always very good at English at school and I've always had a blog or I've always had a message board or I've always had some form of, of writing. You know, I'm, I'm the age of the internet. I had to have my first computer when I was 11. So it's that's very much what I've grown up with. Yeah. So I started a blog in January 2013 and kept it private because I didn't think anyone would be interested in the fifth time I've baked a Victoria sponge that week. So just kept writing and then started reviewing products with the limited knowledge that I had yeah. um, just because I wanted to write about it. And then in the end, I made it public. And I remember being really, really excited that my blog had three subscribers. Um, and one of those subscribers is the one they give you when you set up a blog. So that's that's kind of where I was with it. And then I started a Facebook page, started a Twitter page, and just started being She Who Bakes, I guess. I started my own business, making cakes from home, um, which was fine. You know, it was, it was definitely something that I wanted to do and something that made me happy. And then that's when I realized, actually, I'm not rubbish at jobs. I'm rubbish at working for anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so realised that that's what I wanted to do. Kept writing um, and then just how happy it made me. And now we're, what am I? It'll be four years since I started my blog in a couple of months in January. And in those four years, I've come off any and all antidepressants after I was going to be told I was on them for the rest of my life. Um, I've won several awards, both both for my blog um, and for my business, which I'm very very happy about. And um, and yeah, like you say, now I now I travel the world and, and give talks about my journey because if I can come back from the absolute brink, from standing on the edge to to being where I am, then then there's hope for anybody. Mm. Yeah, definitely. What? Wow. I mean, <laughs> that's an impress. And ha- and over what time period has this been? All this happened from um, when you well, you fell ill to now. Uh, two thousand and ten. So, um, so six years. Wow, a pretty short space of time, really, isn't it? Yeah, two thousand and ten was when I got um, literally, and it's it's six years ago this week because I keep checking that Time Hop app that I've got, and I'm and I'm talking about when I was in hospital and when I was on morphine, and I was like, I remember that. <laughs> How crazy is that? Does it feel like a different life? Yes. I look back at the pictures and it doesn't look like me. No. Um, it's. I mean, I know I had black hair then for one, which is you know, which now I've got my 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 red hair that I've I've had now for that long. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't look like me, and I don't I don't look happy, and you, you know, and you can just tell. Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of look unfinished. You know, yeah. it's like it's like you look at a picture and you think there are some pieces missing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it feels it's weird. It feels like. A million years ago mm-hmm. but it also kind of feels like like when I just sat here and went because my blog is four years old in January I was like is it like, <laughs> it's, it's that you, yeah it feels like five minutes and it feels like forever how many subscribers do you have now to your blog I am nearing a quarter of a million whoa wow <laughs> and started from two that is crazy because yeah. I remember yeah. when I did Tim's hypnotherapy course, and you come in really excited because you had 70,000. Yeah. And what was that? Was that a year and a half ago? About a year, a year ago, I think, yeah. Because you come in, well, I've got 70,000, I've got 70,000. <laughs> and now you're nearly a quarter of a million. Yes. Wow, that is impressive. No, it's a lot of people. That yeah, is a lot, a lot of people. A lot. <laughs> Britt, what drives you to succeed there? 
Um, most of my, my drive for success uh, stems from my mum. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, in a previous life, uh, when I when I was a lot younger, I mean, I've because I, I, I was a singer when I was younger, and um, I actually went to theatre school, and I competed with I think thirteen hundred other eleven year olds, and there were only three scholarships for theatre school up for grabs, and I got one of them. Mm. Um, and um, I was kind of always taught to believe by my mum that I could do anything. I could do anything I wanted to, and you know, and I remember someone once said to my mum. Um, okay so she's a singer but what if she wanted to be a violinist what if she wanted to be a tennis player my mum said then she would play the Sydney Opera House she would play Wimbledon and so that's kind of been in me from a very early age I don't do things for the sake of doing them I don't really do hobbies Um, if I do something it's to put my everything into it Um, and I definitely learned that from my mum so I know that she because she, you know, she was a single parent. She was not looking only looking after me, but also my nan and granddad. Mm. Um, and she, and she took risks. And she, yeah, basically everything, everything about me is 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 thanks to thanks to that woman, basically. That's so powerful. That is what she said to you. That, yeah, that, I think that's that, resonated uh, with me big yeah. time. That is that's that's awesome. Because so, 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 so much confidence. Because so many people have lack of self belief. You know, they think they can't do it deep down. They're not worth it or, you know, they're never going to be able to make it. But I think there's a true testament to what your mum's taught you in that mm. that's why you're so successful because you have absolute belief in what you're doing. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I have I have imposter syndrome just as much as everybody else. Uh-huh. But I think the thing is, is that I know that everybody else has it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that I think that, you know, feelings of anxiety and feelings of, um worry and and like I say feeling like you're an imposter um can be really draining um but I think the minute that you realize actually it's completely normal um and everyone else has it then um you kind of deal with it a bit better I think yeah yeah no I get that one that sums up my next question I was gonna ask (laughs) how you deal with fear because we all have fear in some way or another but how do you deal with it you face it and you do it anyway yes I, I um I the, I posted a video in June. Uh, Tim and I went to Mallorca, and I've always been scared of putting my head underwater. Um, basically, when I was a kid, I was at the leisure centre, and we had these big like float things, these activity float things. Anyway, yeah. and I I slipped off one one day, and I and I fell underwater. And when I tried to come up, the float was above my head. Um, so I I and then I couldn't see where the float wasn't if you see what I mean, I couldn't get up and I'd started to panic um, and I breathed in some water, which made me panic even more. Yeah. And, and it was really, it was, it was a horrible, horrible experience. And then after that, I mean, I lived obviously, but after that, I, um, I never put my head underwater again, like not even in the shallows of water. I couldn't do it. Um, and then we went to Mallorca and there was this rock that we could see um, that people were jumping off. And it wasn't like, um, there wasn't a lifeguard there there wasn't a sign saying you can jump off this rock and it's absolutely safe but we just saw people were doing it yeah so and then we could see this rock that people were jumping off and it didn't say anywhere that it was absolutely safe but we went down there to have a look and we kind of looked over the edge and I knew I was not going to do it it was as simple as that I was not going to jump off that rock just standing there I felt scared but I wanted Tim to do it because I knew he'd enjoy it yeah um 
so we're standing there we're standing and this was on the wednesday i think and we were going home on the sunday um and then we kept talking about it and kept talking about it and tim was like are you gonna do it and i was like well i'll do it if you do it thinking no i won't um and then and then we went down there and tim did it he jumped in and he he was scared and he jumped in and he lived obviously yeah and then he he sort of like was swimming around and he said now you jump and i was like i can't i just can't and i was like let me let me see you do it again so he climbed up this rock bit and jumped off again and then i got him to do it one more time i got to do it three times and then i stood there for 45 minutes in the sun i got sunburn on my shoulders where i stood there for so long and then all of a sudden it was like the feeling of going home and not doing it yes was greater than the fear of doing it the the regret was more scary to me than the actual fear of doing it yeah so i don't even know what happened but i just kind of did it <laughs> i just did it and and i'd never done it before in my life and and i know that sounds you know it sounds like a little thing but it was it was so so big to me and and i came up from i came up from the water and i was like oh my god that was amazing <laughs> and then i went and did it again i love it we went back the next day and then that's when we filmed it because obviously in the film you see me just sort of go yeah and then doing it and it was not that quick the first <laughs> um that was like the third attempt but and then i just and then i just loved it so now i know that i've jumped off that rock i can do anything <laughs> so it's a case of how i deal with the fear is um i'm more scared of the regret yeah I think that's 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 brilliant because that's my philosophy in life. I'd rather regret I've done something than regret I didn't do it. Mm. I tell you where that stems from. Like I say, everything stems from my mum. Every single thing stems from my mum because she was such an amazing force in my life. And my mum was a massive Elvis fan, like a massive Elvis fan. And she always wanted to go to Graceland to go see Graceland, to lay flowers at Graceland, you know, just to do that whole experience. And she never did. She Mm. died still wanting to do it. And I decided that nothing was ever going to be my Graceland. I yeah. like that. Mm. And I, I just wonder how many people say they're going to do something and they say, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, yeah. and then they never do it. Yeah. Yeah, for a lot of us, mm. tomorrow tomorrow never comes. You know, mm. you've, got to, you've got to do it. And I think that's one of the things that that spurs me on so much. It's like, I've only got a short time on this, this earth. Mm. And I want to, I mean, I've got a tattoo, I know it sounds so cliche, but I've got a tattoo that says make each day count because, and I got that done when I was about 18, 19. I got that done when I was in the depths of depression, but I still needed it to, you know, I still needed to see it. I still needed, and even, even on the days when I don't, even on the days when I'm, when I'm just in my, in my dressing gown all day, because, you know, being self-employed, you have that luxury sometimes. You totally do. and I sometimes yeah, and I sometimes get angry because I have because I've wasted the day. But actually, if that's what I need, that's what I need, you know. And that's what I will do. If yeah. I have to, if I have to order a massive Domino's and watch terrible television in my dressing gown for a day to give myself a bit of love, then that's what I will do. Yeah. And you know, and you don't feel guilty for it. You get up the next day and you carry on. Yeah, definitely. It's so true. And a lot of us, we just. We think that we have to be doing all the time and we feel guilty for taking a rest, but it's almost rest means something. You know, rest yeah, means something. I do there are there, I do have to give myself a talking to sometimes, especially like the past the past couple of weeks I've had to have a few rest days, like I've been getting migraines and yeah. you know when you know you've taken you know when you know you're working too hard sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like my body is going, Stop. 
Yeah. yeah. So it's that, and and that's the kind of thing you want to get to the point before your body tries to stop you. Yeah. You have to try and you know give yourself give yourself a bit of love. Yeah, definitely. And I um and there's one part you are an ambassador for mental health. Yes. Tell us about that and why it's important that you inspire so many people with that. Um, basically, the the mental health thing kind of came about um, a while ago. Now, I started doing stuff for a company called the Depressed Cake Shop, mm-hmm. um, which is happier than it sounds, and uh, they're <laughs> they're really really lovely people. And it was a sort of charity of pop up shops where you baked cakes that were grey on the outside but colourful on the inside, kind of to, to resemble hope and everything. And it's and it's an amazing, like, institution almost. And everyone who's part of it is, like, is a co-conspirator. And it's, you know, there's there's a lot of love. It's, it's, a, it's a big family. And so I started really doing stuff for, for them um, in their pop-up shops. Um, and then from there, um, I've worked with um, quite a lot of the mental health charities, actually. Time to Change, I was one of their, um, their key people for their social media campaign um and my face was on a billboard which is always nice how cool is that uh, no, a friend of mine sent me a selfie of him with like my face in the background <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny um so that was their their small things campaign which i was proud to be part of last um october actually um and that was about the little things that you can do you know just just every day to help you and to help friends, you know, help mental health and everything. Um, and then I also worked with them again in February um, on uh, Good Morning Britain, talking about how important it is to talk about mental health. Yeah. Um, and then also rethink um, and mind. Um, I've done stuff for both of them as well because they've kind of had like baking related fundraisers that I've um, sort of uh, been a spokesperson for. Um, and then more recently, the Mental Health Foundation um I've, I've worked with them as well so so quite a lot of the mental health charities because i really do think it's important because the trouble is is that i remember when i was really suffering and i had a full-time job and i was terrified of telling any of my colleagues of telling my boss of telling anyone because the last thing i thought was i didn't want them to think i was being unreliable mm-hmm. and you know and then one company that i worked for was around the time when i did you know like tried to commit suicide and the first message I got from them was, when are you going to be back into work? And and they knew what had happened. And it, so it was almost like people don't want to to talk about it for fear of, you know, for fear of what people think. I mean, I remember, I remember going out and going out with friends at the time. And then another friend at this point had been diagnosed as bipolar and, uh, and just the comments that these people were saying were just so unkind that I just thought I'm not going to tell you granted this was a long this was 10 years ago now so this you know we have fortunately moved on Mm. um since then which is a great thing but and I remember thinking I'm not going to tell you what's going on with me if this is you know if this is how it is so all of the mental health charities are focusing on talking about it and and opening up to people which I think is is a really really good thing and that's why I was uh, proud to be involved in it Definitely, because, I mean, I know even for me, you know, a lot of the time it can be seen as a weakness. Yes, yeah, um, 100%. And, and like, like you said when you when you introduced me about, you know, how much I've done and, and you, can't, you can't do those sorts of things if people perceive you as anything other than strong. Mm. And so it's kind of that, it's kind of ch- challenging that perception of being weak at the same time when actually you're fighting so hard that you need to, to put every ounce of strength you've got into it, I suppose. You use it as your superpower, don't you, Laura? It's my, my bipolar so, is my superpower. <laughs> so lo, lo, 
people think it's her weakness, but she actually turns that around and it's what drives her forward to actually achieve what she's achieving at the moment. Same with so, yourself. Yeah. To use that as your superpower, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of the the school of when it comes to things to do with mental health, um, things like depression. Um, certainly, if it's situational depression, which is what mine was, you know, it wasn't a chemical imbalance. It was everyone died. You know, you, yeah. you're yeah. gonna be sad. And I think that that there is there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that nurse may have said to me, "You'll be on antidepressants for the rest of your life," but I certainly proved her wrong. And and I think that you know there is a light there is an end it's not something you have to have to live with forever you know it's and i think that's that's a really important message because there are some people that, that believe that oh well once you're depressed once you're anxious that's it you've you know you, you you've got it for the rest of your life and i and i personally don't don't think that's the case um like i say i'm not i'm not saying about chemical imbalance because i'm not a scientist i'm not a doctor i can't you know put say 100 percent either way on that but definitely circumstantial um depression is something that that i believe you can help and kind of, it sounds really wrong, but thank God you did go through all that because you are able to help and inspire people like you found your baking through it. And, you know, it's almost like being grateful for it, I suppose, some ways. Yeah, I guess. I'm not I'm not there, I don't think. But I, uh, <laughs> I do. I do know what you mean. Yeah, right. definitely. You say you're not there. So where where do you want to be? You, you've, you've done so much over the last six years and yeah. you're inspiring a quarter of a million people now. <laughs> where, where do you see yourself in the next six years? Oh, I don't know. I hear Bake Off's looking for a judge. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people. I know business people probably tell me off. I'm not one of those people that has a five year plan or a, a three year plan. I've barely got a six month plan. Like, <laughs> I just, I just, I just want to be happy and do what I love. You know, I've got I've got a sign just above my mirror just there that says do what you love every day. And I've got one just by my bed saying when we believe in ourselves, we can make anything happen. Mm. So it's a case of I just want to be happy and and I will do and I will do just that. And I'm doing quite fine right now, to be honest. You totally are. Definitely are. (laughs) We really want to talk to you about body confidence because you ooze confidence from every part of you. You know, I know people will be listening, will be hearing that definitely. And you're very confident in your own body. And that's a very rare thing nowadays. And we'd love to know how you do that and what mindset it takes to ooze that kind of confidence. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a woman. I've got the same insecurities as every other woman. Um, I've got the, you know, am I too short? Am I too fat? Am I too, am I too pale? Am I too this, you know? But I think... I don't know because it doesn't when you say what what mindset does it take it's not like I have to wake up every morning and go I have to be confident today it's just I just kind of am and and it's not it's not in an arrogant way at all because I know my flaws just as much as as everybody else in fact I see them amplified because I see them every day but you know I've got an amazing man that that loves me to pieces um I've got you know I've got a, a good career I've got a great home it's kind of that sort of thing of I don't know I've I I don't take myself too seriously, I think, and I'm not one for worrying what other people think of me. Um, I used to be, God, I used to be. I I didn't really have any friends um, at school. I had a few a few very good friends who, unfortunate enough for them to still be in my life today, but I was never popular. I was mm. never, you know, someone that that people wanted to be friends with. You know, I was I was a stage school kid. It was the opposite of being popular, you know. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think. I think a lot of the time 
because obviously doing the whole stage school stuff and having to go on stage and sing in front of people I mean I did I did West End Theatre at the age of 13 wow so yeah you kind of have to put aside but you know when when you're a kid you don't really care what people think you know that's why you know four-year-olds will walk around just you know naked or with their toy you know because they don't they don't care and I think it's it's when you start becoming an adult that you kind of you do become self-conscious and you do become all of these sorts of things yeah. but I don't know I don't know whether being in the sort of theatre school environment where if you thought that way it went against you mm. um you know you had to have the confidence to go for roles to go for you know to go for what you wanted um and I do think that you know that a certain part of of true confidence comes from being happy mm. and and you know and I can say you know for the first time in a long time that in the past couple of years I I've been incredibly happy you know and and I and I'm, I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for the people in my life so thankful for for everything that I've got and I think that once you reach that level of of content then why would you care if there was a lump or bump in the mirror or if you know oh if your jeans are a bit tighter one day it's like I just I just don't care I think that's not to say I don't care about my appearance Mm -hmm. it's not to say I don't I don't care about you know I I I train four times a week um I'm I'm very strong I can lift not only my own body weight but more and you know I hang upside and upside down on a pole for fun I have been watching your journey with the pole fitness it's great yeah and and but I just kind of you know and I see people commenting and I, I was never going to post any of it on social media never and then I just I did a photo shoot and I was like oh why not you know I can't I can't be bothered anymore to to not so I did and the amount of people that are like oh I would never have that confidence and I'm just like to me confidence isn't putting on a pair of shorts and doing a workout you know confidence I know people that have been through some some terrible things and they are they are what I think is true confidence you know not not just not caring what what people think with what you're wearing because I just you know there's a famous saying if if those people aren't paying your bills you pay them no mind you know it's um, it's interesting it's, mm. you know what I mean these people anyone who has anything to say about my appearance or about my body um clearly can't be happy in theirs yeah and it's, uh, it's their own remember- insecurities that they're, they're judging it on aren't they I think you put a post 100%. on you put a post on the other day um, about people judging, and in actual fact, you need if you're judging people, it's actually you you need to look at. Yeah. Never judge a book by its cover. Definitely. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, this is Harry Potter. Because I remember really seeing good. I remember seeing you in your bikini on the beach. And you were just like yes. loving it. And so many people are afraid to get in a bikini or even go to yeah. the swimming pool. And I say yeah. to them, well, look, when you get in the pool, they only see your head. So, you know, and yeah. there's a lot I think, around I think that. Again, I think, again, that, that probably comes from my mum. You know, she, my mum was a, a size 14. Um, like the whole time I remember, she was always a size 14. And she took me swimming. Every week she took me swimming. And I always saw my mum in, in a swimsuit. So to me there wasn't really any anything about it yeah and and do you know what i mean like i i bought a, a little mermaid swimsuit you know and that's just because it's loved it because that's kind of thank you because <laughs> that's kind of who i am and i'm like i don't wear things for other people i wear them for me and the same goes with a bikini the same goes you know with that and i've got like I say to you, I've got I've got a great man who is who is exceptionally attracted to me, and he's the only person I care about what they think I look like, and it just so happens that he thinks I look hot. So, 
What does it matter? It's so, so true. true. It so really true. is, definitely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Britt, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, we've talked about so much, haven't we? Yeah. But we want to finish off with our seven quick fire questions. Eight, uh, eight or seven we got today. Seven of them we've got today. So, do you want to yeah. kick it off? You can kick it off. You want me to? You kick it That's off. That's nice of you to let me speak. Ladies, <laughs> age before beauty, isn't it? <laughs> so, Britt, what's your most inspirational quote? Uh... Oh God! Um, if if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. I like it. Love Second it. question: What's your favourite destination you've been to, and why? Fuerteventura. They've got an amazing karaoke bar. <laughs> well, <laughs> Love yeah. it. Excellent. <laughs> um, what uh, what do you want to be known for? Uh, making home baking um, accessible to everybody. What's your favourite movie and why? Oh, Back to the Future. Um, because I love time travel. <laughs> Boom. I love it. Quality I love chip. it. Quality. And she's got some really good music, which leads me <laughs> on to the next one. What's your favourite song of all time and why? Uh, Busted. It is a song called Year 3000. You can judge me all you want. It's my favourite song. No, I've heard No that. judgment. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first childhood memory? Um... My first childhood memory is getting stung by a bee dressed in uh, jasmine from Aladdin pyjamas. And where did you get stung? Uh, on my shoulder. Uh, I was wearing big poofy sleeves and I think the bee thought it was a flower. And that's the day I learned I was allergic to wasp stings. Oh, God. No, no, wasp stings, bee, bee stings. <laughs> what, a, what a memory, what a memory. Okay, and the last one here, right. What question have you never been asked, but you've always wanted to be asked it? Oh, um... God, I don't know. A question I've never been asked, but would but want to be asked. I don't know, I get asked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably. I don't know what's what's my favourite Starbucks. I think that's definitely up there with uh, with questions. It's a gingerbread latte, by the way. Oh, I was going to say, what is your favourite? <laughs> I'll just jump in now. If anyone ever sees me and you are in proximity of a Starbucks and you wish to buy me a drink, a gingerbread latte would always go uh, would always go down well. We'll remember that, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Britt, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It's been absolutely fantastic. Really good. Um, so thanks, guys, for listening in. And we will be back with the FitMind Project um, another time with another... Awesome guest. Exactly. So this has been Laura Ash and... Barry Ash. And we'll see you... Thank you.